Welcome to Triumph. This is a show about God's mercy and forgiveness for those who have had an abortion experience in their past. We talk about some maybe uncomfortable things, but some things that are important to an awful lot of people. And joined here with my wife, Joanne. I'm Tim Welsh. I'm executive director for at Bethesda Healing Ministry, and, and Joe is my wife. Hi there. Hi. You act, you act like we just met. What's the deal? We've been yeah. married 42 years, you're yes. just saying. I was Holy I was cow. talking to the audience. Ah, ah welcome. You're, you're playing the audience, I see. Yes. Very nice. You're learning, you're, you're getting radio skills. That's what I am, trying to I am. Cool. Hey, so... You know, we're we're um, we've talked a lot in the last twenty four to thirty six hours about you know what we're they call that show prep yeah uh, on that's right the professionals right so we we've been talking a little bit about you know the effects of the pandemic and what it's really done to people and and how um, how it's brought up some some memories that maybe aren't really very uh, fun to think about in the case of a person who has an abortion experience in their past and. And I don't think we'll ever, I, you know, I don't think this, this pandemic, it's going to be years and years and years before we actually see the effects of the pandemic, like on our grandchildren not going to school and mm-hmm. on on people having to be shut in for for uh, nearly a year. I mean, golly, we haven't really been out much at all. Um, but th- th- there's a particular group of people, those people who've had an abortion experience in their past that, you know, may be struggling even a little bit more than the rest of us simply because they... Um, they have time to think, you know, and and that brings us to to the topic that we wanted to talk about today, and that is the the um, sort of navigating through grief, yes, and and specifically uh, the dangers of avoiding that navigation, yes. you know, and 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 just maybe we can tie that at some point through this conversation to to what the pandemic has done to that process because it really is a process. Yes, it is. And um, I guess uh, when we were talking about this, you know, we were talking about the death of a parent, um, kind of, you know, how different people react to grief or a death. And um, I wasn't, I guess we weren't even talking about the pandemic, but then this morning, as kind of we were preparing, I was thinking, golly, you know, so many people had to, um, you couldn't even have a normal kind of wake or funeral for um, for those that died. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people died alone, maybe with a nurse by their side that sure. they didn't even know, really. But um, so there's a lot of um, grief. And, and I think People have a lot of, you know, you have a lot of regret or guilt or, oh, I could have done this. I should have done this uh, differently or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. that that transcends every um, kind of reason that you're grieving, whether it's an abortion or somebody got sick and you, you know, your college kid brought in COVID to your house or, you know, yeah. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. It, it it's it's been it's just really been a weird time and it and maybe this is kind of a downer that we're talking about grief and i know we've talked about it before but it just seems like um a lot of people are grieving a lot of different things and i mean you can grieve anything from like a loss of a job um to you know actually to someone um dying so it, grief takes on a lot of different forms yeah, and the, but the, but and we t- when we talked about this before, we 
you know, we recognize that there was a there's a real difference in the abortion grief, you know, yes. and and because it's hidden, you know, yes. because it's it's not allowed in our culture, and because the mores, because everything, you know, normal grief, you you, you go from disbelief to acceptance basically and there's it's kind of very linear you kind of go you may sort of regress back to different parts of of grieving you know from to anger and all that kind of stuff i mean i we both have lost uh uh both our parents um we both lost our fathers like within six months of each other and you know that i still grieve my dad but it's not i can grieve that openly and right. I can I can talk about that openly. I can say to people, you know, I was telling you the other day that my my index finger is just like my dad's. It it when I when I point <laughs> to something, I see my father pointing to something because my index finger kind of curves in a little bit, and it seems to be a little bit bent all the time. Uh-huh. And whenever I whenever I point to something, like if Too I'm bad doing this, is it television? Well, yeah, it's just I've got a great face for radio. Um, the, the, um, but whenever I do like texting or whatever, I, I see my dad every time I do that. And, mm-hmm. uh, just because of his index finger and those yeah. things are, those things are acceptable because, right. because that's just grief because yeah. you've had a loss, but, well, and you have a memory, you right. have a memory of that person and, and, and but it, all so the, you can work through it. Yeah. And, and so so i'm i'm teeing this up for you to start uh going through some things but you know as as you go through the abortion grieving it's more of a circular thing you seem to just one seems to continue to just go around in a circle until they do something about it yes and until yes. they they recognize that they need a little bit of help and that they that there are people out there that are willing to help them least of all uh they they are accepting that god's forgiveness actually works i mean you know yeah, his mercy right. is true and his forgiveness is is um is all powerful so before i forget i just want to say that anybody uh, i want to say two things one is anybody any of the listening audience that has been through an abortion experience and and just needs somebody to talk to or just needs a little bit of help getting through that make sure they call bethesda that, at 614-309-0157 um, and then the other thing we need to always say is that not every woman and not every person that's been through an abortion experience actually experienced post-abortion grief, post-abortion stress or syndrome or whatever the term du jour is. Sure. Um, yeah. So with well, that, let's talk about grief. Yes. So the women that I and men that I have encountered are are seeking healing. So um so we'll talk about those folks that um are suffering. But it's you know, it's kind of interesting there are, you know I do a lot of research and reading about this topic. I'm not a therapist or trained in any way. But you do play one on T V? Yes. Okay. Um but there was a um a, a woman, Trudy Johnson, came up with the term voluntary pregnancy termination. Mm-hmm. And she had an abor- she has an abortion experience in her past, and she came up with this word because she felt that the word abortion was a trigger, and a lot of women just couldn't even say that word, and and so she came up with this long voluntary pregnancy termination term, and um, 
I so get that. You know, I for so long when I started my healing, saying the word abortion for me was very difficult. Um, it was a word that I avoided. I really never said it. And when I started my healing, um, we were, you know, we, uh, we do group um, work and you're always asked to, you know, say your name and, you know, your abortion experience and how long ago it was. And, and just even in that moment saying abortion is just so difficult. So it was an interesting thing to read that Trudy had come up with this um, other word, VPT, she calls it as you're reading her literature. But it also, I guess it's a way to um, kind of when we're talking, we're talking about working through grief. So, you know, maybe, maybe you have to say, voluntary pregnancy termination for a while, but I think that you need to say abortion at some point to kind of get you over the hump of your healing. So you have to kind of recognize and accept and work through the grief. Um, I don't know if that's making, am I making sense? You are, but I'm curious as to what makes... I, I've got some theory, I, you know. I've been in this, right, in this arena for a long time. But I, I, and I, I too, am not a, uh, a a trained individual. But I, I've done a lot of research and everything else. But I, what what makes the, what makes the word abortion so hard? I mean, why is that? I mean, we all make mistakes in life. You know, I, I, I've I've wrecked a car before, and I, you know, I never, I, I never shied away from saying the word wrecked. Or, you know, what well, what makes that, what is it about that? It's, it's, you know, I think it's, this may not make sense, but I think it's politics. Politics make abortion grief kind of unrecognizable, un, um, you know, you, you can't say it. You, you can't talk about it because of the politics of the issue. I don't know. That may not be the answer you're looking for, but I feel like it, um, it certainly has made it very difficult. Do you recall when we went to, um, that school and talked to that class? Yeah. Yeah. And, there were what thirty kids in that class. Upper Arlington High School. Yeah. yeah, and I was there to tell my story, and there was one girl sitting right up front. She'd already made up her mind about me, and she was very militant, and you know was asking me questions when it was time for asking questions, and it was just very interesting to watch her kind of change her opinion of me and you once she got to know us. So that's why I'm saying the politics makes it, it's somebody else, a faceless person going through it where it's either good or bad. And then, you know, once she 
and really, I mean, the the whole class had their own opinions of it. You could tell just the feel, the the way, the heaviness of the class. You knew they all had their mind made up, and that. Um, then you know, as they got to know us in just that short time, what was in an hour, they were all like, "Oh, wait, wait! I, you're a real person. <laughs> you're actually." A person that's grieving and has grieved, and this all makes so this doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's dive into that in just a second, a, a little bit more. You're listening to Triumph on AM eight twenty, Saint Gabriel Radio, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and this is a show about God's mercy and forgiveness for those who are struggling through the somewhat stormy waters of recovery from an abortion experience in their past. And uh, I'm Tim Walsh. I'm executive director for Bethesda Healing Ministry here in Columbus, and I'm here with Joe, my wife, Joe Welsh. Hello. She, she took my name <laughs> 43 years ago almost. Um, so, it, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think the political is is part of it, but I, it feels like it's a little deeper than that in terms of the stigma associated with the word. Because I do, I do believe, you know, I, I, and this is not a political show, so we don't want to dive into that no. too too heavily. Mm-mm. But, but I do believe there are, you know, when you join a party, you, some people feel like they have to buy into every single thing that party um, uh, kind mm-hmm. of espouses, and sure. and that that when they find out that you know I don't have to just. Um, uh, tow the company line with everything that that a given political party espouses. That's when they sort of get awakened, I think. And I mm-hmm. that stigma of of you know abortion is the be all and end all. I mean, you know, we grew up at it. Right. We we grew up and when abortion was first kind of uh, foisted upon the culture, and sure. and we we were told we were all told that. That you know, this is this is empowering women. This is, you know, if you're pregnant, you have a choice now. Yeah, you know, and you right. you need to exercise that choice because that's how you, that's what a strong woman does. You know, yeah. all of that. You can have it all. You can have it all. You can have a gigantic, you know, six figure income and have no kids, and if you don't want them, or you can have, uh, or you can have some kids when you want them, or whatever. You know, yeah. all those things. <laughs> sure. There were just all these cultural mores that were implanted into our into our society that that suddenly and and by the way, if you had an abortion and you're having uh, you're struggling with that decision and you're struggling with the consequences of that decision, and you have some sort of of uh, regret or even sorrow or even grief, there's something wrong with you. Right. It's it's not. There's something wrong with the abortion itself. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's part of what plays into that too, as well as the political. Yeah, yeah. And 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 women aren't, for whatever reason, um, it's just like you said. There's something wrong with you, so you don't you don't want to talk about grieving. An abortion because if you do there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. this was this is supposed to be like the the perfect solution and then you know when you struggle 
and, and maybe you don't even know why you're struggling. Yeah. You're you're walking around, um, you know, making maybe a series of poor choices and um, but not really ever realizing why or what's missing or what's wrong with me. Um, but the but really, I think maybe politics having being the one that kind of dampens that. Um, freedom to talk about it. Maybe it's just culture, not politics per se. Maybe culture is a better word. Um, but we, you know, and and so many women, it's it, there's another term, disenfranchised grief. So you never really deal with it. You know, if people aren't allowed to kind of go through the grief process in whatever time it takes, you know, if you're too obsessive about something. Oh, it's probably grief. If you're not obsessive, <laughs> it's grief. You know what I mean? They, they're, they're, they're two ends of the spectrum, but it all can, can be because of your grief or disenfranchised grief, not, not really working through that, um, the pain of that or being able, who do you talk to? <laughs> well, it's not even, it, it's also, you know, not, not being able to work through the pain of it, but but not being allowed to work through the pain of it. You yeah. know, not being told by our culture that that again, if you've got some pain with that, there's got to be something wrong with you. Sure, because this was the greatest thing since Jello pudding for women, right? Yeah. I mean, it, absolutely, it, this was supposed to be the 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 panacea for yeah. all things women's rights, and and you know, we did see that. That young woman, I, I think when I think when you become um, uh, a person to people, I think when you be, when it becomes personal to them, that young woman, I just can I can picture her now. She she was you're right. She was very militant at at uh, it was it was at Upper Arlington. It was kind of scary for it me. was a little scary, I'm sure, <laughs> because she was asking very pointed questions, and she even said at the end, she said, you know, I I don't know how I feel now. I, I'm not sure that what I was thinking about abortion is really valid anymore. Right. Because here's a woman in front of me who's obviously worked through some things in her life and and she's not she's not what I pictured as a pro life advocate. Right. <laughs> you right. know, and 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 what we see and I think that I think that all plays in this is a completely different show. Sure. But I think I think that that all plays into those cultural mores, you know, the that the pictures that people see in in the media or on Facebook, social media, or whatever, are not flattering for pro-lifers in many cases. Sure, and yeah. and they think, well, they're just nuts, you know. I mean, right, right, right. We're not, they're not really. They're not they're like not really me, so they're sane. weird. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Well, we were we were talking earlier, and. Um, so I have to share this little story with the audience because it's kind of, I think it's, it's, um, it, it kind of, um, um, helps kind of realize the, the kind of the pain and stuff going through, um, the abortion experience and then not recognizing or, um, just, um, not recognizing any grief for that. So, and and this, this is kind of a funny story. So um, when our kids were younger, um, two, uh, we have three sons, and 
two of them were inside the van in the car in the garage, right? It was a brand new van. It was a brand new van. Like okay. six months old. If something. that. And so the older two boys were teasing the youngest boy, and they wouldn't let him in the van, right? And they, and so the youngest boy picked up this little ice shovel that we had in the garage. It was like a little portable one you carry in your car. And he started pounding on the side of the van door with the little shovel. And so this got everybody riled up, right? Especially the mom, me. So um, the youngest son got, you know, read the riot act. Disciplined. Disciplined. And um, he was so upset because he got yelled at because he felt he was justified in doing this this crime, (laughs) essentially (laughs) beating on the van door with the shovel. And then, so in his response, he went out into the driveway and picked up a rock, you know, like the limestone gravel and tried to scratch it out (laughs) to to make it better, to cover it up. Tried to erase the dents with a rock. Yeah. So I always think of abortion in that context, Mm -hmm. like, Okay, you're in a pickle, and you're going to do something to cover that up, which is ultimately going to try to scratch the dent out of mm-hmm. the car with a limestone rock, right? Does that make sense? Is that is that a good anecdote for, like, covering up one crime to figure... Well, it's uh, also... Not crime, but it's you know also, what I mean. I think, I think you also mentioned that it is... It is one bad decision that compounds another. Yes, and, and that that you yes, that's what I meant you tend to, to you tend to make a series. Maybe you can explore that. You tend to make a series of bad decisions based on the first one you made. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and just um, I and I think a lot of women tend to do that. Like they've got okay, they've had an abortion. Okay, well, I'm just going to be just promiscuous because what does life matter anymore or i'm going to go totally the other way i'm going to um just i hate men and children and i'm going to go the total other way or um maybe alcohol becomes my um medicine of choice or elixir or whatever drugs um eating disorders so it takes on a lot of different forms and um, and a lot of times you don't know why you, you're all confused as to you know why why is my life like this? So you tend to not you not everyone does this. Um, I certainly for myself I you know just became like super wanting just adamant about everyone around me being perfect. I wanted you to be perfect. I wanted our kids to be perfect. I wanted to look perfect. You know, the house had to look perfect, the car, the clothes, the everything. I mean, that takes a lot of energy. I'm exhausted just thinking about mm-hmm. how I did that. But it was always, you know, the grades, the expectation, this, the you know, my, our kids being athletes or, 
you know, I wanted you to look perfect and say the perfect thing. And Well, that wasn't very difficult. That was very unrealistic, <laughs> is what you meant to say. And, um, <laughs> but you know, it... I loved you. It, <laughs> it just takes on, you know, different forms. And because that grief's unresolved, um, you know, there are other other things that we get involved with and it's kind of a form of protection from getting hurt or heartbroken sure again um so that yeah that's kind of my explanation of and that so thing. ultimately you know you you and i've talked about this a lot over the course of in and in, in 150 different contexts sure but um we i always say the same thing that when when the pain gets bad enough, someone's going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and you have to reach that sort of tipping point where, where you you suddenly and in the AA, I, I think I've shared with the audience, I'm a I'm a recovering alcoholic, and in AA, there's a there's a uh, phrase that say that says you're you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I mean, you're just you just get to the point where I've had enough, right? And right. It becomes so painful that you got to do something about it, right? And, and so that was, what was that moment in your, in what was that revelation in your? I mean, I can tell you a hundred stories with other alcoholics, but I right, right, and it, I, I guess it was, um, just, I mean, it was more, it was our relationship that. I just had these certain behaviors, maybe you know, like intimacy, let's with a lowercase I, just that I had the shell around me. I wasn't going to let anyone in close enough to me. Mm-hmm. That was, that didn't work out for me in the past. So that wasn't going to happen. So it was just that realizing that, okay, maybe it wasn't you all these years. <laughs> maybe it was me. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was just one of those uh, points where I finally was like, okay, well, I'll try this. And then... You know, peeling back the onion, looking at all the layers of all the stuff over all the years, 34 years, mm-hmm. not recognizing um, that I finally said, okay, got to do something. Yeah, yeah. And it was a, it was a, it, it was a, we did talk. I mean, it was finally, when we finally sat down and talked a yeah. lot about it over the course of a few weeks, it was, uh, that was when it really kind of happened. And, um, uh, so hopefully, you, the listening audience, if they're going through an abortion experience in their past, struggling with that, they've got somebody to talk to. Absolutely. Uh, if you don't, make sure that you, you write down the Bethesda phone number, which is 614-309-0157. We're really waiting to talk to you, and yep. we'd Give love to talk to you. And uh, you've been listening to Triumph. Thanks, Joe, uh-huh. my wife, Joe, and Tim Welsh from Bethesda Healing Ministry. God bless all of you and and have a blessed Lent.